Life presents various issues with a multitude of solutions. Having issues is easy. Getting to the solutions is hard. If you're up for a good challenge, stay tuned and welcome to Qualified Issues. I'm Carissa Galloway. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas, and we are in season two, which is about perspective. And today is episode six, which is titled Influence. Dictionary.cambridge.org defines influence as, quote, to affect or change how someone or something develops, behaves, or thinks, unquote, as well as, quote, to cause someone to change a behavior, belief, or opinion, or to cause something to be changed, unquote. Have you ever been influenced? Have you ever influenced someone to change in some way, to feel a certain way? I guarantee the answer to both of these questions is yes, yes, I have. So for example, children may cry or whine, scream, or even fake illness or injury to influence a parent or caregiver to make a specific decision in the child's favor. We have all been children. Therefore, we have all influenced someone in our lives. Parents may use bribery, reason, logic, common sense to influence a child to behave in a certain way. If you are a parent, then you have influenced someone. When you were a child, you were influenced. These examples may seem simple, but you can apply those same principles to your older childhood and adult life. We see it all the time. Can you say social media? Can you say advertisements? Can you say fear? Fear is a huge influencer of many things. Fear can influence you to change the direction you drive to a location. It can influence you to buy a different food product, not go to a specific neighborhood, make choices that are not good for you because someone has influenced you through the use of fear. Fear can also influence you to think a different way. We are all aware of cancel culture. If you thought to yourself, gee, I think similarly to that individual who got canceled, I'm scared of being canceled. I will change the way I think to avoid being canceled. Then you have been influenced by the fear of being canceled. I'm not taking sides on that issue, but it is a great example of how some may have felt fear of the consequences of their own thoughts fearful enough to actively work to change how they think. The influence of fear over thought can also be seen in an educational setting. When I was in college in the mid-90s, I had an English professor who assigned an essay we were to write about a somewhat general topic. The professor never indicated that to get a good grade, you had to cater your writing to what the professor's opinion on that topic was. Needless to say, I got a failing grade on that paper, as many other students did as well, and some chose to ask the professor if they could redo it according to the professor's opinion, and the professor agreed. The fear of a bad grade influenced the students to change the way they think. This change was evident in the amazing grades of A's that followed on every paper after that, as well as their own perspectives on themselves, others, and the world. When considering these examples, it is wise to ask ourselves how we deliver our influence. Do we use critical thinking, civil debate, and conversation, logic, or do we use fear? 
This is part of being self-aware, knowing how you come across to to other people. The other part of self-awareness is knowing how easily influenced you may or may not be. Fear is not always used to influence in a negative way, however. Sometimes we need to feel fear of possible negative outcomes in order to see that the choice we want to make may in fact be harmful to ourselves or someone else. It's when fear is used in an unnecessary way that it becomes malicious in nature. For example, An angry customer is not getting a refund because they did not follow the store's policy. The customer service rep is working very hard to stay calm and be polite, but firm about the policy. The angry customer decides to use fear to influence the company by stating, I will come there and beat the snot out of you if you don't give me a refund. The manager gives in and gives the customer a refund out of fear of violence. An employee was asked by an employer, this is another example, who they are going to vote for. They're having a civil conversation about politics and the employee sees no harm in answering the question. The employee answers and the employer then states that if the employee follows through with that, then they should start looking for other work. Afraid of losing the job, the employee quickly states, I was just joking and votes the opposite way out of fear of being unemployed. Now, these are not real life examples. These are very general examples, but it gives you an idea of how fear can be a sometimes beneficial, but sometimes malicious influencer. Influence is a very important part of perspective as it comes down to having autonomy in our own individual perspectives. Now, for those who do not understand autonomy, here's a quick definition. This also is from dictionary.cambridge.org where autonomy is defined as, quote, the ability to make your own decisions without being controlled by anyone else, unquote. There is a lot in that definition. First of all, ability, something you can learn like a skill. The idea of not being controlled by anyone else. In other words, when it comes to perspective, you are choosing what that will look like without someone else using fear to influence you. So how do we get autonomy if we don't have it already? The answer is to use critical thinking. Uh, Critical thinking, again, dictionary.cambridge.org is, quote, the process of thinking carefully about a subject or idea without allowing feelings or opinions to affect you, unquote. This definition points out the goal we are talking about in relation to perspective autonomy, to make up your mind free of external influence and emotional input. This task is not easy at all to do, but it will make a difference in your level of influence, whether you are being influenced or trying to influence someone else. If you have ever been in a debate, or maybe debate club in school, you know that the best way to convince someone influence them, that your opinion, perspective, line of thinking is correct, is by using provable facts and data. Because there is not always data or facts available, or because some information that is factual is from personal stories and experience, which we would call subjective information, therefore critical thinking must be used. You know, and don't forget that you are not always going to agree with everyone and that not everyone will always agree with you and you want to be okay with that. Agree to disagree. Now, let's look at critical thinking skills that can help you have a more autonomous perspective. To further understand critical thinking skills, I came across a great article called What Are Critical Thinking Skills by Mike Simpson. There was no date given. It's from theinterviewguys.com. 
Mike calls critical thinking a, quote, two-fold process, unquote. The first step is getting all your information and the analysis of any facts in that information. He says, quote, it's all about understanding a subject thoroughly, unquote. The second step is to realize that critical thinking, quote, isn't about what you want the facts to say. It's about the reality of the situation, unquote. Mike also outlines the process of critical thinking, and I am going to relate these steps to a real-life scenario the best that I can. So the first step is observation. A good example of observation is when you want to cross the street at a four-way stop intersection. You observe if cars are coming, if they are going to stop, how fast they're going, and if the driver is even paying attention. The second step is information gathering. You see four cars and start gathering your information. Car one is coming to a stop and the driver is looking at you. Car two has been stopped and is slated to drive through the intersection next. Car three has loud music pumping out the windows. The driver is on his or her cell phone and he or she is not looking at you at all. Car four just slammed on his or her brakes and the driver is in tears. So that's our information that we've gathered. The third step is brainstorming. You realize you have a couple of options here. You could just start walking because you have the right of way. None of these cars have the right of way. You could watch to see if all the drivers wave you across the intersection and then cross. You could wave cars three and four by or just wait for them to go. And then the fourth step is analysis. So if you just start walking, there is a chance a driver may not see you and you could get hit by a car, getting either seriously injured or even die. You could wait for a driver to wave you across the street and may have to wait a while before one does. You could wave cars three and four by or just wait for them to go, thereby avoiding the dangerous drivers. So you've taken your for the observations that you've had and the information that you've gathered Um You've brainstormed different options and you've analyzed those. The fifth step is action. Obviously, you don't want to get injured or die. So choosing to wait for the dangerous drivers to go and maybe even for someone to wave you across is probably the choice with the most beneficial outcome for you. These steps are very similar to what is covered in season one podcast about the trans theoretical model of change. So observing First of all, none of the critical thinking steps are part of pre-contemplation. Remember, in the trans-theoretical model of change, we have six steps. And pre-contemplation, there's really nothing going on in terms of uh, figuring out what you need to observe in the first place. I would say that observation is equivalent to stage two of contemplation. Um, Preparation would fit brainstorming, but it would also include analysis. Uh, The fourth stage in the trans-theoretical model of change is action. And this stage, as well as the maintenance stages, would be included in the action part of the critical thinking process laid out in the article. Um, And the sixth stage of the trans-theoretical model of change is termination. And it really wouldn't be included in the critical thinking process as things we learn from using critical thinking in one task may be used again to some degree in another. So critical thinking really doesn't have a termination point like change does. In another article published on frontiersin.org in August of 2021, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce all the authors' names here correctly, but um, we have four authors, Jiwan Liu, Shuang Shuang Li, Xiaowei Sheng, and Zhu Zhu 
Wren. And the article is called How Do Critical Thinking Ability and Critical Thinking Disposition Relate to the Mental Health of University Students? So the relationship between mental health and critical thinking is what's thoroughly discussed in this article, this um, peer-reviewed article. Um, the authors use the definition of critical thinking, which they say is, quote, purposeful, self-regulatory judgment that results in interpretation, analysis, evaluation, and inference, as well as explanations of the evidential, conceptual, methodological, criteriological, or contextual considerations that judgment is based upon, unquote. And for that definition, they cite Fossion. Uh, 1990 for that definition. So this definition of critical thinking is much more detailed than the one I provided earlier, but this definition touches on some very important elements of critical thinking. So first of all, purposeful. In mental health, we encourage our clients to do things with purpose, with intention. What is your reason for wanting to do or say this thing? The second term in here that is important is self-regulatory. This speaks to accountability. What you say and what you do as well as what you think and believe is your choice. You are regulating these things and therefore critical thinking is a self-regulatory process. Judgments based off of purposeful and self-regulatory thought should result in several things. Number one, interpretation. This will be somewhat subjective at times, depending on the situation or topic. Other people may have a different interpretation based off their own unique critical thinking ideas. This is okay and should honestly be expected. This is how we work together as individuals to come up with awesome and creative ideas. The second result in judgments that are, again, based off of purposeful and self-regulatory thought is analysis. Your critical thinking will include looking over the information you've gathered through observations to come to your interpretation of the situation. We also have evaluation. This is where you've gathered all your information, you've done all the analysis, and now you're going to evaluate that um, analysis and information to uh, get a general idea of what the outcome um might look like or how the outcome got to where it is. Um, the very last hopeful outcome of in, um, judgment is inference. This is very similar to making an educated guess or maybe even um, ways to estimate future outcomes for similar events or situations. All of this really does lead us to the idea of self-awareness. Um, this is another really important factor in having autonomy in our own perspective. In season one, there is an entire episode on self-awareness. Definitely worth listening to if you feel you need to increase self-awareness. The reason self-awareness is so important when it comes to influence is as I said earlier, it helps you gain autonomy. It creates confidence in yourself to make decisions you believe in as being the right decision. You are more able to create beneficial boundaries and relationship and thought. You're better able to discern the intention behind one or more people you are in conversation with. You're, you know, you're humble enough when you've got that self-awareness to question your own perspectives to make sure they are accurate and fair, which again is the perspective that we're working towards. How easily influenced you are in terms of your perspective can have a major impact on you. How influential you are has an impact on other people. On psychologytoday.com, there's an article by Dr. Alex Lickerman from May of 2015 called The Power of Influence. 
Dr. Lickerman talks about being influenced by his father due to his desire to have, quote, his approval and love, unquote, and how he, quote, also discerned the parts of him, talking about his father, that were worth emulating, unquote. When speaking about influence, he talks about control, stating, quote, none of us has absolute control over anything, including much of the time, ourselves. Rather, what we all have in abundance is influence, the power of which seems to function linearly. The closer personally and physically other others are to us, the greater our influence over them and vice versa, end quote. This speaks to self-awareness again, which leads to self-discipline and self-control. Another article on sciencenews.org by Julie Raymeyer in December of 2007 called The Power of Being Influenced speaks to being easily influenced when, quote, a few highly influential people espouse, unquote, specific ideas. She states, quote, how many friends it takes to persuade you depends on your personality, unquote. While I agree with this, I want to remind the audience that manipulation, trauma control, and, and more can play a part in how our personality develops, is shaped, and can change. When our personality changes, so too does our perspective. The article talks about a research project that dealt with how ideas spread and how quickly and easily it could happen. She said, quote, once an idea spread to a critical mass of easily influenced individuals, it took hold and continue to spread to other easily influenced individuals, end quote. She interviewed Peter Sheridan Dodds, who is a social network theorist, who stated, quote, in the end, you don't have control over how people spread your message, end quote. This is a very important point. Being self-aware and mindful of what we say, to whom we say it, and how we say it, which includes how we deliver our message, can start a game of telephone where where each individual may intentionally or unintentionally change a word or phrase here and there until the message has been completely changed. But it's too late to fix it as it's already spread like wildfire. Dodds also stated something that is very important to consider before sending a message to anyone. Make sure it has, in his words, quote, social worth, unquote. This brings us back to the forest of life metaphor. Your life is a forest and you're walking the path. You have an empty basket and other people offer you fruit. We're going to say the fruit is a message. You have to decide if there is social worth in taking the fruit, but also if your basket of fruit that you offer to others has social worth as well. It's important to use critical thinking to consider if the message someone is trying to give to you is of benefit to you and before you pass it on to others, if it is beneficial to other people. If the answer to both of these is no, it is not beneficial, then maybe take a pass and look for something that is beneficial. To further investigate how easily influenced you are, Emily Dixon read an article called, If You're Easily Swayed by Social Media Influences, This Study Might Explain Why. This is on bustle.com, B-U-S-T-L-E.com, in May of 2019. The research study is from Edgehill University, Ulster University, and the University of New England. They had 316 participants of who they used factors of personality and, quote, susceptibility to persuasion, unquote, as their... Um, as their measurements. The author found, quote, the researchers established three personality types, fearful, malevolent, and socially apt. 
Fearful people who were shy, introverted, and anxious were more likely to be persuaded by authority figures and to be influenced by the actions or opinions of others. Socially apt people were more likely to be persuaded to do something if it was, she's quoting here, consistent with their beliefs or a prior act, unquote. She also reported that the researchers found, quote, malevolent people were less willing to obey authority and what less willing to return a favor, but they could be influenced by scarcity, unquote. Scarcity is the belief that if something is rare, hard to find, then it's more valuable than other things that are easier to find. So if we look at these three types, fearful, malevolent, socially apt, we can then examine our past and present experiences and relationships to see where these traits may have come from, whether inherited or learned. This reiterates the last, um, uh, not the last podcast, but the two before that, that were about personality. We have the role of personality part one, which talks about different types of personality and the role of personality um, part two, which is um, how personality plays into perspective. And you can obviously see that here with this article. So um, of course, being influenced uh, is not always a great thing. Sometimes we get influenced to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. Sometimes we influence people um, in good ways, and sometimes we influence people in not so good ways. So I really encourage everybody to, you know, use your self-awareness awareness, um, use your focus, be mindful. Um, if you don't have them yet, gain some critical thinking skills, do more research on that. So that's all for today's podcast. I hope this was helpful and beneficial to you. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at for the love of therapy at gmail.com. That's for the love of therapy at gmail.com. If you have a quick minute, please leave a rating and review and feel free to pass this podcast along to a friend. Remember, a podcast is never a substitute for therapy with a licensed mental health professional. I am Carissa Galloway. This has been Qualified issues and I hope you'll join me next time.